Good morning, good morning. How are we? Okay? Yes, yes, we're okay. Although winter is officially upon us. Summer has ended, hasn't it? But we're still okay. We're still happy. Kind of. It's still sun shining, so that's fine. And um, I know, but officially, all right, that was just a hello comment. Let's, let's not get bogged down in details, okay? We've got other things we're going to talk about this morning. Um, <laughs> I think it's almost around our six-year birthday as well as a church. So either this Sunday or next Sunday, we've been going for six years, so that's well done. Do we have any people who've been involved for six years with us? Hands up, you've been here in Seaford with us for six years. Well done. Sorry, forgot. Fallen asleep already. We haven't even got going with the sermon. <laughs> um, I'm also very pleased to see we've got Alison here because Polly is four or five days over her due date now. So if Polly goes into labour, we've got a midwife on hand. So no one panic. It's going to be okay. And it could be quite a memorable morning if that happened, Polly. Just so you know, we're not opposed to the idea. Uh, All right, if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to the New Testament. And we're going to read some words of Jesus, some things that Jesus said. That would be an experience for you as well, wouldn't it? Have you ever... No? Anyway... um, (laughs) We're in church. Sorry, there's other things to talk about, isn't there? Right, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. John is a book about the life of Jesus and some of the things that Jesus did. You all right? Takes a church to raise a child. That's right. That was Abby's, okay. As a church, we exist to talk about the good news of Jesus, what he's done. We, we gather on Sundays to remind ourselves of what he's done and the difference that he has made to our lives and the difference that that makes to the lives of the people around us. So we're going to be talking about the good news of Jesus, but specifically and particularly for the next term, seven weeks or so, we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, of God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at today who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. If you've been in churches for a long time, you're probably familiar with some of that language. For some of us who are new to faith or new to church, sometimes we hear people talk about this Holy Spirit and it can seem a little bit unnerving. So hopefully we're going to go with that today. And the reason we're doing it is because this is incredibly important. You were made for relationship with God. You were formed to have friendship with Him, to know Him. And so when we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the one who comes to enable us to know God. The Holy Spirit for Christians comes to live inside you and enables you to relate to God as your Father. The reason you're on the planet isn't to have children and pass some things on to the next generation. It isn't just for the furthering of your DNA. The reason you're on the planet is that you were made with meaning in mind. You've been made by God to know him, to have a relationship with him, to have a friendship with him. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about what he does, this is of central importance to who and what we are as human beings. In the Bible, the very first person that's created Adam in the book of Genesis, it says that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And that's a beautiful description for the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you and with me. You exist to walk with God in the cool of the day, to interact with him and to build friendship with him. I appreciate though for some of us, the idea of talking about having a friendship with the Holy Spirit is a little bit Uh, unnerving or we're not too sure what that means. We live in a society that doesn't encourage belief in the spiritual world and many of us have grown up finding it hard sometimes to believe in a non-material world. Well that's not true for most of human history and for most of the parts of the planet. 
A friend of mine um, once spoke in India at a conference, and he told them, he said, in my country where I come from, um, most people don't believe in the, the spiritual world, or a lot of people don't believe in the spirit world. He said when he, when he said that, the room fell about laughing, like it just told some amazing joke. See, for most people in the world, it's a given. There is a God. There is a spiritual world. And the job then is to work out and know him and become friends with him because that's what we've been made with. And friendship with God looks like, as we've said, walking with him. It can look like the everyday moments of your life. Taking a walk on the downs and engaging with him in prayer. Talking to him about the things that are going on in your life. Having a friendship with the Holy Spirit can look like reading the Bible and asking him to tell you what it means. Having a friendship with the Holy Spirit means that he comes to comfort you when things are difficult. When you're trying to process some bad news or work through some disappointment or some doubts, friendship with the Holy Spirit looks like him being there in those moments. Friendship with God looks like wrestling with him as some of the psalmists do. When life isn't going your way and you're confused and you're angry and you're pounding out things at God. That's friendship with God. It's life with the Holy Spirit. It looks like the everyday, but it also looks like some of the more miraculous moments or supernatural moments in your life. Friendship with the Holy Spirit looks like those times when someone brings you a word of encouragement at just the right time and they said exactly what you needed to hear. Friendship with God looks like those moments when God speaks to you and gives you a word of encouragement for someone else and you get to share that with them. I'm reading a book at the moment by Mike Pilavacci. It tells of a time that he was at an airport and saw a man just standing off to the side and felt within him that this man needed some encouragement. And after dismissing it for several minutes, he eventually walked past the man and then walked past him again and again, eventually plucking up the courage to go and speak to him. And Mike, if you know Mike, he's an amusing character, but he says in the book, I walked up to the man and I said, hello, I'm not weird. He didn't look convinced. <laughs> he said, I'm not weird, but I'm a Christian. I think God wants to encourage you and tell you that he loves you. And this man said, I'm a Christian too. I've just landed in this country. I've come to lead a church and the people who are picking me up are late. And I'm standing here thinking, what am I doing? I just need some encouragement. And so you saying that is just at the right time. Friendship with the Holy Spirit looks like those moments in life. Uh, for me, last week we had a, an encouraging moment. On Wednesday, on the, I thought it was pretty supernatural. On Wednesday evening, uh, we had a meeting with some people in the town to discuss uh, a potential opportunity of buying a building in the town, which we'll tell you more details about at the prayer meeting on Wednesday. So we were talking to them about this, me- this meeting and what we want to do in the town and, and hopefully try to come to some arrangement. Left the meeting not feeling like it had gone particularly well. We basically said, we've got faith that we could raise this much. And they said, we're not going to sell it for that much. And we're like, okay, we're going to go away and pray and see what God can say. So we went home from the meeting not feeling particularly encouraged. Um, and as we were leaving, I said to Graham, who was with us, I said, every time conversations about the building comes up, God always gives me the verse from Joshua through a friend or something that I'm reading. And in Joshua, God says to him, he says, be bold, be strong, don't be, don't be terrified, be courageous. And I, f- I said to Graham, I feel like this isn't the end. We need to fight and we need to pray and cling on to some of God's promises. I went home, Graham went home. And as Graham got home, he got a text, from a, a text message from a friend of his who's fairly prophetic. And the text message said to Graham, you need to be bold and be strong. And he didn't even know what we were doing, didn't even know what we were talking about. And moments like that, that when I heard that, it encouraged me. 
And I thought, well, this is friendship with the Holy Spirit. It's learning to see the fingerprints of God throughout the different rhythms of our life, whether it's miraculous or just normal and every day. So, with all of that said, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 16. It's in the New Testament. And we'll read some of the things that Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. We'll make some comments. And then, as Martin said, my aim is to try to give as much time as we can at the end to just waiting and trying to develop some of that friendship with the Holy Spirit um, and seeing what he has to say to us this morning. Jesus said this in John 16, 4 to 15. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So Jesus says, I'm about to die, essentially. I'm about to die, rise, and go to be with my father. And he says, it's good for you that I go. Now those of us who have lost loved ones... Know that when we know we're losing a loved one, it isn't good news. We would never say, it's better that you die. (laughs) But Jesus does. He says, because when I go, I'm going to send the helper to you. going to send the Holy Spirit to you. It's better by far. It's to your advantage, he says. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the rule of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but wherever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So there's a lot that Jesus says there, and you may have got lost in some of the details, and that he will do this and this will happen, and that's okay. We're going to explain that and walk that through together. But first of all, let's ask this question. So who or what is the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing we can say is the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, in the book of Acts, after a married couple get found having lied to the Holy Spirit, Peter says to them, you've not lied to man, but you've lied to God. He calls the Holy Spirit God. And actually, right in the very beginning of the Bible, in the, literally the second verse that's ever written, it says this, The earth was without form and void, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right at the beginning of the Bible and at the end of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is talked about as being God. At the beginning, he's there. And the picture is, before anything's made, he's there, or it's there. This force is there, this kind of nebulous cloud of energy, hovering, waiting, anticipating, ready to respond to what God's about to say. And in the creation account, When the Lord speaks, when words come, it comes to pass. And the image that's created is that the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to bring life. He's a life-giving spirit. In fact, when God makes Adam, he gives him CPR. He breathes into him. The same word as the word spirit there. That God's spirit breathes life into the world. 
I mean, for, for many people, it's quite a stretch to believe that all this complexity came out of nothing. But for others of us as well, it's a stretch even further to suggest that life came to exist out of non-life. That non-living matter gave birth to living matter in all of its complexity. There's two big leaps of reason or logic there. But what the Bible says is that the Holy Spirit is the life-giving force of God in the world. But he's not a force. He's not just a force. He's a he. He's a person. In the reading that I read, Jesus used the male pronoun he a lot when talking about the spirit. The word spirit is a gender neutral term, but Jesus attaches the pronoun he to make the point. He's a he. He's not an it. We're not engaging with and having friendship with electricity or just the force like from Star Wars. If you've ever been to a, a, a church like this or a Christian conference where there's lots going on, um, lots of what's called ministry of the Holy Spirit where he's doing lots of different things, sometimes as an onlooker you might have thought, that's unusual. That looks like this force is kind of impacting people across the room. Jesus says it's not a force at all. He's a he. He's a person. So when we pray to him and talk to God and ask for the Holy Spirit to come, we're not saying, oh, Jesus, please send it. Please help us and give us it. Oh, he's a he. And we talk to him and engage with him like he's a person. Let's put that verse up. We're going to put just one verse up from John 16 and talk around it. John 16, verse 14, he will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Again, we see that word he twice. Jesus is using that. The reason that we know, or how we know that the Holy Spirit is a person, is the way that the Bible talks about his activity. So in Scripture, we read that he comforts people, he can be grieved, he hears, he convicts, he declares, he speaks. Well, that's what we saw in what Jesus is saying in these words. He guides, he can be lied to, and he comes to set people free. In the book of Acts, the church are gathering together to pray and fast, much like we're going to be in a few days' time. And it says, the, it says while they were gathering together, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart Saul and Barnabas for what I've called them to. The Holy Spirit said to them. The Holy Spirit speaks. When we gather as a church, the Holy Spirit speaks. And given that you are formed for friendship with God, that's a big deal. Because God has come to speak to you. Hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you ought to be the preoccupation of our lives. That we would know him and know what it's like to have him speak to us. You know, when the church gathers to pray, that's what he does. So when we gather to pray as a church, it's of the utmost importance or urgency for those of us as Christians to say, I want to be there. Because if he's going to speak, I want to hear the amount of times I've been in prayer meetings and the direction of the church or the direction of my life has been affected by what's been said in those meetings as the Holy Spirit speaks. You know, hearing the Holy Spirit speak is more important than taking your kids to a music lesson or making sure they get to that training for their uh, club. It's more important than me pursuing a hobby for a night. It's one of the most important things I can do. I want to hear God speak to me. I want to put aside whatever I can. I want to fight for that reality. Oh, church and Christians, we don't want to be those who think, oh, I just want to go through life and hope that God speaks to me. We want to be hungry for God to speak. We want to be ready to hear him speak. 
You know, there's a difference between being hungry for something and being open. Most of us would say, I'm open to God. I'm open for God to speak to me. Well, that's different from saying, I'm hungry for God to speak to me. You know, if I was to go home after church and Amy was to say to me, as she always does, would you like a kiss? If she was to say that to me and I'd say, I'm open, <laughs> I'm open, I don't suppose that's going to lead to me having a kiss. However, if she says, would you like a kiss and say, I'm hungry for a kiss, well, that could lead to a lot more than just a kiss. We could have a cuddle as well, of course. That's as far as we go, because it's the middle of the afternoon and it's Sunday, people. <laughs> but the point is, that when it comes to friendship with the Holy Spirit and hearing God, she's in the kids' work. I can get away with these things and no one will tell her what I say, right? But when it comes to hearing God speak and being in environments where he speaks, you haven't, you haven't got to come to prayer meetings. You haven't got to be as a church. You haven't got to gather on Sundays. You get to. You get to. We get to hear him. We get to take time out of our busy lives say, for these three nights, we're going to gather to pray that you would fill us. Tuesday night, all we're going to do is ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. Wednesday night, in Crossway in town, all we're going to do is ask him to speak to us. We're going to tell him about what we think we need and we're going to say, please speak to us. But like I say, you haven't got to come. You get to. It's the same way with our relationships as well. You haven't got to kiss your wife or husband. You get to. You haven't got to do the things you enjoy. You get to do them. And since God is God, of course, and since the Holy Spirit is God, he's everywhere. He's not confined to a, a school. Because the unlimited presence of God is, is that. It's unlimited and he lives in you if you're a Christian. So when you sit down and you find a moment's quiet and just read the scriptures and ask him to speak to you, he's there. He's able to speak to you. When you're doing your grocery shopping, he's there with you. When you're making dinner for the kids, he's there with you. When you're disciplining the children and training them, he's there with you. When you're preparing a lesson for school, when you're teaching kids at school, when you're planning what to do with your week or your month or your year, he's there with you. When you process a bad medical report, he's there with you. When you're feeling bored, he's there with you. When you're riding on the bus or getting a taxi or just standing around waiting for Southern Rail to get their act together, he's there with you. You know, a friend of mine says that he was once in the Middle East on this crowded passenger ferry. In the Middle East, okay, surrounded by people who don't know God, who worship a different God. And he's in a hot, it's a hot climate, it's an intense environment, he's stressed. And he said in that moment he just asked the Holy Spirit to help him and give him peace. And he said, a wave of peace, like I've not known, was there upon me in that moment. Because the Spirit of God is with us everywhere we go. And the great Bear Grylls talks about what it's like. He says, there's nothing better than climbing Mount Everest than knowing you've got the creator of Mount Everest with you and helping you. So the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is a he. But let's have a look at what the Holy Spirit does. Well, Jesus, in the words that we read, calls him the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He comes to help. You know, as a church, we've got 
plans and dreams about what we'd like to do. We want to reach people in this town with the good news of Jesus. We want to see good news preached to the poor. We want to see homes restored. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see people healed and set free from life debilitating conditions and habits broken off people. We want to see people encounter Jesus. We want the presence of God to flood this town, the miraculous things of God to be talked about all over this town. We want to have our own home so that we have a, a church to meet, a building to meeting during the week and on Sundays we want to run classes and events and clubs and this and that we want to do loads right we can't do any of it without the help of the helper you I mean you want to be a good husband a good wife you want to be a good friend to the people around you you want to speak with integrity you want to be known as being a person of integrity you want to get promotions in the workplace you want to make a lot of money to give a lot of money away you want to help people in need you've got aspirations for your life you cannot do any of it without a daily, ongoing, regular relationship and friendship with the Holy Spirit. You can't do any of it without help from the helper. A number of years ago, I, um, I was a security guard at Wimbledon, the tennis tournament. I know, security. And, um, and we need security guards. There are plenty of people in this room we could ask, and I wouldn't be among the top you'd choose. But I was there checking bags uh, for 12 hours a day during the tennis tournament just to make sure there was no bombs in the bags or anything like that. And after 12 or 13 hours on my feet, I went back to my car um, to go home and get a few hours sleep before coming back the next day. I got back to the car and turned the key in the ignition and I heard that sound that some, many of us have heard before, where you know there's no life in this car. It's not going anywhere. And I was in the middle of a field because that was the car park and it was pitch black and I was on my own. And, you know, at that moment I could have checked the tyre pressure. I could have checked that there was enough fuel in the tank. I, I could have checked the oil. I could have fiddled with the radio. Um, I could have had the windscreen wipers on. But none of that would have made any difference because there was no power in the car. And so I had to call out the AA and get them to fix it. But it's like that in our lives. We need the help, the power of the Holy Spirit every day. Without that, what are we? We're just trying our best, right? And it's good. We can use the gifts and talents that God's given us. But Jesus says, unless you abide in me, you won't bear any fruit. He says, you can't do anything. Jesus knew the power of the Holy Spirit well. Uh, it says that he was conceived by the Spirit. He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. He drove out demons by the Spirit. He was raised to new life by the Spirit. How much more do we need to cultivate a friendship with the Holy Spirit? But this is what Jesus says. Let's put this verse back up. He says, He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So let's move to the next slide. Let's look at this bit here. He will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit comes to declare it to you. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit comes to speak to you. We'll get to what it is, but he comes to speak to you, whoever you are. Whether you're a hairdresser or a politician or a bus driver or a taxi driver or a train driver, um, hopefully not for Southern Rail because, you know, well, we'd make you feel at home. Um, whoever you are, whatever you do, whether you're a mum, stay at home, whether you're retired, whether you're whatever you do, he comes to declare it to you. But I also, this you is about the human race. That God has come down to be with us. He's got into the dirt of our lives and he's come to speak to you and to me. And what Jesus says in Luke's gospel, it says of Jesus that he celebrated 
And it says he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit because God has hidden a lot of the truths about the gospel, hidden it from the proud and the wise and the best and the brightest and revealed it to children. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit because the gospel truths are for the humble of heart, not for the proud and the arrogant. That God speaks to ordinary people, embodied, epitomied in the children of this world. Children. Dirty, smelly, stupid children. He speaks to children. Children like my Zach, who I caught once washing his hair in the toilet bowl. And people like um, Riley, who likes to scrape the toothpaste out of the bowl after you've spat it and eat it. Children. He comes to speak to children. What's wrong with them? But those are the examples that God holds up of ordinary, normal people that he's come for. You know, when Jesus gathered his 12, he could have chosen the princes of the land. He could have chosen senators from Rome, but he didn't. He chose fishermen. He chose tax collectors. He chose outcasts from the society. And it's to these ordinary people that God declares the great truths of what life is about. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you in ways that you understand. We've all had those moments where we've sat through sermons and thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. This may be one of them. But it's okay because the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you in terms and ways and words that you understand. I led an Alpha course once and there was a guy on it who every week I'd say to him, so what would you think of the talk? And every week he'd just say, well, it's like this song lyric that I like. And every week God would speak to him through song lyrics. And I thought, sure, that's fine. If that works for you. Or others of us, we sit, we watch a film and you know God speaks to you through the storylines of the film. You think he finds ways to communicate to you, to your ordinary life. He knows what you need to hear and how you need to hear it. But what does he declare then, you'll be asking. And this is what Jesus says. So the next slide, he says, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit comes to speak to you about the things of Christ, to tell you about Jesus. And in saying that, we point to the preoccupation of the Holy Spirit. If you like what his purpose is, although purpose is a weird word to use of God, but what the Holy Spirit comes to do. And this is what Jesus says. Next one. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus, to show people Jesus, to tell people about what Jesus has done for them. To tell you and to show you how Jesus is able to satisfy you more than sin, more than anxiety. How Jesus is able to heal you, to help you, to fulfill you. And in that sense, the Holy Spirit is a little bit like uh, good editing in a film. You know, you watch a film and you don't really notice the cuts. If it's a good film, you don't notice the edits. But a story has been stitched together. The main purpose of the film director is to tell a story, not to make edits. The Holy Spirit's like that. He comes to show you Jesus, not to get in the way of Jesus, not for us to be fascinated by just his power and what he can do. He comes to glorify Jesus. That's what Jesus says. I'm sure we've all been to one of those weddings, those weddings where afterwards most people are talking about the vicar or the person who officiated because they did something weird or they were slightly eccentric. And you come away and everyone's going, what was that vicar about? In those moments, I think, the officiators of weddings fail if they're noticed too much. Because the person who conducts a wedding ceremony is there to do just that. 
conduct a wedding ceremony so that all eyes are on this couple who are making these promises, who are within this story of commitment and love for one another. And in that sense, again, the Holy Spirit is there to point us to the bride and to the bridegroom and to say this is who Jesus is. The two passions of the Holy Spirit you see throughout Scripture is God, his Son, and the people of God. He loves to just wax lyrical about those two subjects. There's a story in the Old Testament where a, 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 a pagan prophet is paid money to pronounce curses on God's people. And as he goes to pronounce a curse on God's people, it comes out as a blessing because the Holy Spirit just jumps in and says, I can't let that happen. And he loves to, he, he basically tells this prophecy and song about how wonderful God is and how wonderful God's people are. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. I spent a number of years in Canterbury where I went to uni and uh, the, the campus was on top of the hill overlooking the city. And at night, it was dark, um, apart from the cathedral. The cathedral was lit up beautifully. And it's just quite nice to take a walk around the campus and overlook the city and see this beautifully, brightly lit cathedral. Do you know, in all the years that I lived there, not once did I think, wow, what marvellous bulbs what marvellous electricity. What a marvellous light to light that up. But I was often thinking, that looks incredible. That looks so beautiful. I can't believe people made that. How did they do that? Again, the Holy Spirit comes to do that. He lights up Jesus. And in, by that definition, a good church or a spirit-filled church is a church that makes much of Jesus, that points people to Jesus, that talks about what Jesus has done, that celebrates the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. A, a good church is a church that points one another to Jesus. A good church, a spirit-filled church, is a church that uses their spiritual gifts to show people Jesus, to encourage one another in following Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. It is really all about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Spirit comes alongside to say, yes, look at him. Look at what he's done. Look at how magnificent he is. The Son of God is the object of the Father's affection. And now you are hidden in the Son of God. And when the Holy Spirit comes to help, he comes to help you to understand those things. And so if we consider, again, what Jesus says the Holy Spirit does, or how we know the Holy Spirit's a person, he speaks. He convicts, he leads, he teaches, he helps to glorify Jesus, to help you to see Jesus. There's been a number of times in my life where I've known just the kind of conviction of the Holy Spirit as he's pressed me and said, you need to stop that. And one of them was a particularly small example where I, I had a lot of music in my music collection and most of it was just illegally burnt CDs. And at one moment I felt the Holy Spirit say, you've got to get rid of those CDs. And I thought, it's not, it's not a big deal, it's just CDs. But I felt the Holy Spirit press me and say, no, Jesus is better than that. He can satisfy you more than this. Or if you trust him, he'll be able to give you everything you need. You don't need to do this. You can honour him in the way that you live. And, and as I live my life, the Holy Spirit interacts with us, with me, on that level sometimes. He pushes you. You know, if you feel the convicting nudge of the Holy Spirit to say, you don't need to deal dishonestly with your money. You can trust me with how you file your taxes. You can trust me with how you fill out those forms because Jesus is able to shepherd you and lead you. He's able to satisfy you. He's your provider. 
If you're having sex outside of marriage, then Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit comes to convict you and say, no, again, it's not dirty, but you can trust him with your sex life, with your relationship life. You don't need to pursue the way of the world because you can honor Jesus and he can satisfy you. Trust him with your relationship life. If you're stuck in destructive habits or addicted to things that you feel like you can't break free from, again, the Holy Spirit comes to convict, but in order to help you see how Jesus is able to help you and set you free. The Holy Spirit comes to make purity something that's to be desired and loved, not because we have to, but because we get to, because Jesus is able to lead us and satisfy us in all different ways and in more ways than we can imagine. Jesus can be trusted, the Holy Spirit says. You know, there's a difference, though, between conviction and condemnation. Jesus, in these passages, says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict. He doesn't come to condemn. If you're a Christian, you're not under condemnation. And there's a difference. See, conviction or condemnation feels like someone or something is saying to you or pressing you with this weighty guilt that the tone of it is always along the lines of, that's disgusting and you're disgusting. Just feel, oh, broken. It's condemnation. Conviction and the conviction of the Spirit is different. That's more along the lines of, that might be disgusting, but you're not. You're a son of God. You are meant for more than that. You can trust Jesus through the quagmire of the destructive habits in your life. If you're someone who uses um, sarcasm or uh, insults as a form of self-defense, the Holy Spirit comes to convict and to lead you, to show you Jesus is able to help you and defend you and fight for you. You don't need to fight for yourself anymore. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do, to give us friendship with God. Jesus says, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and He will declare it to you, whoever you are. Whether you're a Christian or not, Jesus says the Holy Spirit's here to speak to you. He can show you how Jesus is enough for you. He can lead you out of guilt, lead you out of a life of sin and disobedience to God and satisfy you. You were made to know God, to enjoy God. The reason you take pleasure in doing some of the things that you enjoy is because you're using the gifts and passions that God has given you. And you're to use those gifts and passions in a way that honours and enjoys Him. You are formed for friendship with God. And as Christians, we need to learn to live in friendship with Him. Understanding that He's a He. Understanding that He's God. There's an appropriate reverence and awe around the Holy Spirit. But understanding that as Christians, he can help us know Jesus more, trust Jesus more, be satisfied by Jesus more. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, if you've never been baptized as a declaration of your trust of Jesus, well, the Holy Spirit comes to bring you to life like he did at the beginning of the world. He brings life, like he did to Adam. He brings life. That's what he comes to do to you, to bring you to life, to forgive you for your sin, to wipe your slate clean, to breathe new life 
into you so that you can know him and live with him and have this friendship for which you were formed. Now we're going to take the next 15 minutes just to respond to the person of the Holy Spirit. See what he wants to say to us. And the way this is going to work is it isn't all down to me, thankfully, because I'm not God, thankfully. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to each one of us to enable you to hear from him. So you're able to prophesy and speak words of encouragement to the church. You're, you're able to read something from the Bible that will strengthen us. Or even as we stand and pray, and as we will do in a moment, he's able to speak to you. You're able to ask him questions about things that you're stuck with. He's able to help you to see a way through in those areas of your life where you feel frustrated. He's here for friendship with you, to show you Jesus, to glorify him. Why don't we stand together and then I'll pray and we'll um, see what God wants to do. Father, we prepare our hearts before you. We ask that you would give us afresh the gift of the Holy Spirit. ask that you would fill us, drench us, baptize us again with the Holy Spirit. Plunge us into him. We ask that you'd help us to understand how magnificent and all-satisfying Jesus is for us. Would we glorify Jesus with our lives? Would you help us to do that? Some of the things that we were thinking about as I was speaking, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and bring some of the Answers that are needed there. Some people are sitting there thinking, I wish so-and-so could hear this and get this. And we pray for a breakthrough in that situation. Some of us were thinking, I want friendship with God. I just, I don't know how to get it. Or I don't ever feel anything. When the Holy Spirit seems to affect other people. I don't seem to feel anything. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would come and work on people's emotions as well as their minds and reveal your love for them. Come and fill people afresh. For people who feel Holy Spirit put his finger on some areas of conviction and just said, what about this? You need to stop that. You need to submit that to Christ. Pray for the courage to do that, for people to put things to rest. For some of us, we're going to need to go home and rip up some forms that we've filled out, some letters that we've written. Holy Spirit comes to say, you can trust Jesus. You can listen to him. He is enough for you. Holy Spirit is a gift. And when someone gives you a gift, you don't pay them for it. You don't earn it. He's here as a gift to lead you into deeper relationship with him.
when I said that stuff about needing the help of the helper to do what we want to do. Some of us know that rang true for us and we felt sad because we thought, I know that's true, but I'm just, I'm not giving him any time in my life. I'm not listening to him. I'm never, I've never got a dull moment where I can do that. Holy Spirit says he doesn't want your dull moments. You don't need to wait for a dull moment. But for those of us who felt that, he's come to show you some of what's on offer to you. Because this is about carving out some space in our lives to enjoy him. And I'm only going to carve something out if there's something on offer that I really want. And again, he wants to show you, you can have this. There's power for you. There's healing for you. There's intimacy with me for you. Your heart is restless outside of friendship with God. For, that, for others of you, I think you've disengaged emotionally from God because of unanswered frustrations and pain. I can't imagine how difficult that must be when you want something so bad and it doesn't happen and so things get so much worse. The Holy Spirit comes to take you by the hand, comfort you and say, daughter, son, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this causes you so much pain and hurt. I'm here to help. I'm here to lead you. I'm here to comfort you. We're going to take a moment to sing as a form of corporate response. But while the song's going on, I want to invite some people to come to the back and just receive some prayer. Um, if there's something that the Holy Spirit's spoken to you about that you'd love to just pray with someone about, come to the back. But if you've never experienced like a, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you've never had what you would call like a, a baptizing or plunging into the Holy Spirit, a time where he's filled you, if you've never known that, we want you to. And he wants to empower you, rather like my car that was had a flat battery. You think, well, I've tried everything. I've done all the courses. 
um, fiddled with the engine, I've played with the radio, but really I just need his power. We want to pray for you. And in the Bible, that most often that happens when people lay hands on someone and imparts a gift, the gift of God to someone, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go stand at the back. We're going to sing. And if you want prayer, come to the back. And perhaps if you're um, if you're happy to pray for people, if people come, look out for that and help. Let's minister together. Um, that'd be great. Okay.